preferably inside the building. Fantastic. Hey, you guys just stay there. That's fine. We're just going to... Hey, you know, we just have an opportunity tonight, just uh, you know, a couple of times a month, once a fortnight, we share uh, around the communion table. We just share the opportunity to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. And, uh, you know, tonight's one of those nights where we're just going to take a, a moment or two. So I just invite those who are actually uh, distributing uh, just communion tonight to come and do that straight away. I think it's very important that, you know, we continue to remember because it says that um, in God's Word that remember this. Um, it actually says this uh, in 1 Corinthians. Uh, the disciples, um, Paul wrote this to the church at Corinth, and he says, you know, I've received from the Lord, which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, if you remember, he was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, he took some bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it, and he said, hey, take this, uh, eat, eat this bread. This is my body, which is broken for you, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new promise, or the new covenant, or new promise, and it's in my blood. Uh, this too, because he was referring to the fact that he was going to shed blood for humanity. Uh, this do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, uh, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus hasn't come yet. Uh, and so tonight we take an opportunity just to remember and be thankful for the sacrifice of one person, uh, as much as he was a person, he was also God. But he, the reality is he, he identified with humanity. He knew what you and I go through. He went through the, so much in those 33 years that he lived on this earth. And, he, and then, of course, he passed away on a cross for humanity. He took the pain. He took uh, what we should have taken. He allowed forgiveness to come and rule on the earth where we could be forgiven for our past mistakes and failings and sin. And we could have a way or an entrance or a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. There's no other way to God, is there? It's always through Jesus. It's not because we're good enough. It's not because, well, if I just do enough, win enough brownie points for, with God, I'll be, he'll accept me. No, you really can't do that. It's really becoming through Jesus Christ and receiving him as our Lord and our Savior. So tonight we're just going to share um, communion together. The incredible benefit that he gave us because of his death and resurrection. We could, you know, if we were to put it in human terms, I always um, are touched by the sacrifice of people over, who give their lives for others. And I was just reading and contemplating a story of a young um, commanding officer of the Special Forces in the Australian Army who were 90, sorry, in 1914, sorry, 2014, let's get it right. 2014, in Afghanistan, he was, um, him and his uh, battalion of troops were being locked down by a lot of, they were in a firefight with some, um, you know, Taliban. And they could see, he could see as the commanding officer that this was not going to end well if something didn't happen. And so this commanding officer, Cameron Braid, on the 22nd of June, 2014, he drew the fire from the enemy away from all the other soldiers in his battalion. And as he drew the fire away, they were able to escape out of the firefight. But he took the bullets and he died there on the battlefield on the 22nd of June, 2014. 
He received the highest award that Australia could ever get, which was the um, Victoria Cross. And he, he was the 100th recipient of that cross, Australia, 100th Australian recipient of that Victoria Cross for bravery and self-sacrifice in, in the times of war. It really, you know, it, it's a touching thought to think that a man would go to that extent to give, and he didn't know he was going to give his life, but he just wanted to protect his buddies. But ultimately, he gave his life so that everyone else um, kind of uh, escaped. And, you know, if, that was, if a man could do that for just a group of his buddies, how much more did Jesus Christ do it? Just not for a group of friends, but for the world. Not just in that time frame, in that culture where Jesus lived, but quite literally for every person that was to follow. Right up to today, he gave his life. What an incredible benefits. What an incredible sacrifice. Um, it's touching to hear those stories. But the reality is Jesus Christ went over and beyond the call of duty, and he gave us hope. I wonder if you'd stand with me tonight and just take this simple piece of biscuit tonight and uh, this simple little cup of grape juice. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took it and he said, eat this in remembrance of me. This is my body which is broken for you. And then he simply took that cup uh, later on, as I said, and he said, this is my, the new promise in my blood. It's a promise between you that, you know, you can now have a relationship with God. You don't need to sacrifice animals anymore in the temple. You don't have to, you know, you can be forgiven once and for, um, for all for, through, through Jesus Christ. No more animal sacrifice. And Jesus made the way. So for a, a moment tonight, could you just consider the sacrifice? Would you consider the incredible blessing it is? Would you consider and remember what Jesus Christ has done for us? He's given us a hope and a future. You may say, Does it, uh, where is that hope and future? Well, it's the hope and the future of a life right now. that could be so much better lived, but also for eternity, a place in eternal he in heaven. So let me just pray tonight. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your body that was broken for us as they nailed you to the cross. And then for the blood that shed as you hung there for humanity. I suppose in a way between earth and heaven, you hung as the bridge between us and God. And we're thankful for that. I want to just be thankful for that tonight. I want to say thank you for the sacrifice. It was incredible. And more than just the sacrifice, Lord, it was now an opportunity for me to live free and forgiven for my sins. And I thank you for that tonight. And we honor you and we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. So tonight, let's just eat and drink, as it says in the Bible, and let's remember and be thankful tonight for what he's done. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Uh, because God always had a wonderful plan and purpose for humanity. 
Uh, let's be honest, none of us would be here without that reality of sexual, our sexuality. Uh, it's a wonderful plan God put in, into place for humanity. Um, it's a wonderful gift to humanity. Uh, unfortunately, we have a world that has marred it and uh, has um, dirtied it and has tried to destroy it. Um, and they wouldn't say they've tried to destroy it. I suppose we have the world that says, well, actually, we've tried to enhance it and make it better. And it's for everybody, whoever, with whoever and whenever. And so, but we see that um, a sexuality has a special place. And it is a special thing. It's not something that's ordinary. It's not like just shaking hands with someone, is it? Uh, you, you know, it, it's, it, it's special and important. Uh, and I thought, uh, and so we've taken the time as a church on a Sunday night just to address the importance and the relevance of it. Uh, one of the things that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks is how God um, was never a, um, a sole agent. He was never a loner. God is in heaven. It says, always talks about how God created us created us. He says, let us, us, us make men in our own image. He was talking about more than himself. He, he obviously had the Holy Spirit there. He had Jesus there. And so the three in one, the Trinity. And, and God was never um, someone who was just um, all about himself. If, if, because if we're created in God's image and he was a loner and he was a sole agent, we would feel comfortable on our own. We could go into solitary confinement and come out of there after six months and feel totally at peace. But we know that doesn't happen with humanity because you put people in solitary confinement and it quite literally can drive people crazy when they haven't got the opportunity to connect or communicate with another person. Would you agree? So we're made in the image of God who is not alone and loves relationship. And quite frankly, he loves relationship not only with the, the Trinity, but also with all of us. He wants that. So we see that we have the characteristics of our Father, so we need relationship with one another. Our relationships range, of course, from friendship and mateship and, and uh, connections and, and intimate conversations right through to the marriage where, of course, in the, in the wonderful uh, joy of marriage, we have our, the, the, uh, acts of our sexuality played out in, in such a wonderful and, and a precious place. And so we all need relationship, and we all need that because we're, we're created in the image of our Father, our Creator God, and He, was, he knows that relationship is so important. Um, so we've talked about that. We've talked about the importance of it. And um, uh, tonight, uh, we want to talk about the power of our sexuality and how powerful it is and how it does affect us in both a wonderful positive way but if treated wrongly, can be quite destructive in people's lives. So we want to address that tonight. And I wanted to start with a verse. And it's this verse in Proverbs chapter 6. I'll just flick up on the screen. And it simply says this. Uh, the writer of Proverbs in the Bible says, Whoever commits adultery lacks understanding and destroys their own soul. And I just want you to notice something there very clearly. Notice it doesn't say they lack self-control. It says they lack what? Understanding. Um, if, uh, because if people truly understood what they're doing when they involve themselves in some type of sexual activity that is immoral and wrong, they would not do it, let's be honest. Um, if they understood, it, because it's all about us understanding 
our sexuality. And if we understood our sexuality and we understood the, the practices that God planned for it and the, and the, and the places that he uh, would want us to be involved in that rela- sexual relationship, then we would um, not want to destroy our lives, but we want to have the blessing of that happening in our lives. And we people in this world would not do some of the things they do. Um, I.e., uh, you know, God never planned for a man and a man to be sexually involved. He never planned for a woman and a woman to be sexually involved. Uh, and yet, of course, today, uh, we uh, place those type of relationships under the covering of, well, it's just love. And uh, I'm sure there is elements of that there, but how uh, ultimately it was never the plan. Because the truth is, no matter how much two men try and two women try, they're never going to be able to reproduce like a man and a woman. Would you agree? Pretty common sense. So we see that the Bible says we need understanding. Unfortunately, those who do involve themselves in sexual immorality will eventually find that they um, will lack the self-control thing. um, Because... What they started uh, with a bit of an experiment sexually outside of marriage becomes um, something hard to stop. And it becomes like they've lit the fire and you can't put it out uh, unless you truly uh, drill down and say, no way, I've got to stop this. Uh, but unfortunately, it gets out of control. And, um, and so tonight, um, a person with understanding wouldn't allow it to get out of control. And, and it's not just about being clever. It's about having wisdom and understanding. Because I think I've said this before, but a person gets, a person gets, a clever person gets themselves out of a problem that a wise person and an understanding person would have never got themselves into in the first place. So there's a difference between just being clever, but having wisdom and understanding about how to do life. So here we go. Um, I grew up, I was born in the 60s, and I grew up, I suppose, you, you know, I grew up late 60s, 70s. And, you know, one thing I've noticed between those, those, those decades and the decades that we now live in is that the goalpost in relation to sexuality has kind of shifted somewhat. Would you agree? Quite dramatically in the last uh, even six months in our nation, of course. But I found that um, there was a belief that, uh, you know, um, back in those days, and even probably stronger belief before me, and even if we went back to our days of colonialism when we were birthed this nation, it was birthed a, a reasonable amount of, of people who came here were believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and they birthed some pretty strong principles of Scripture. But unfortunately, that has all shifted and continues to shift uh, away from biblical truth. And... and um, and one of the goalposts, I suppose, was, you know, like you get married and then you move in together. Now, of course, it's common practice just to move in together and, uh, and then um, consider marriage sometime in the future because people see marriage as just a piece of paper and it's really um, not, uh, you know, that's all it is. And so uh, as I was growing up, I found these goalposts are moving. And as I got into the time when I was to marry in my early 20s, I discovered the real push was upon my life. And I, I still hear the comments that were ringing my ears from my workmates. You've got to try before you buy. You've got to try before you buy. You're an idiot if you don't. And I said, well, call me an idiot. <laughs> I'd walk away and say, I'm not going to have sex before marriage. Oh, you're an idiot, mate. 
I said, no, I'm not. Um, I felt like saying, I know who's the idiot, and it's not me. But um, it's interesting, the same person who said that walked into this church about 30 years later and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, was facing the whole, their whole relationship had broken up themselves and split in two. And I, I didn't wish that upon him, and he's still a friend, but... Uh, um, I was thinking, I wonder who is foolish now. <laughs> but, you know, um, we see that uh, lives, things have changed. Standards have changed. And I don't think it's just Australia. I think all over the world there's been standards that have changed. What other country we may uh, like to look at. And, um, you know, so we're facing some challenging circumstances. And, you know, it may seem strange to say this. But what we, what we need today is to get back to theology. And you may say, theology? What? What are you talking about? Well, the word theology, theo meaning God, and ology meaning truth, we need to get back to God's truth. So never be scared by that word, because it really just means God's truth, theology, okay? God's truth. And we need to maybe get back to the truth and, and uh, understand, because theology is a way of thinking about life from the point of view of God, and, that, and Him is the creator of heaven and earth and creator of you and me, and His view on how life happens successfully. You know, we have to understand that if God created us, He had the best plan for how life to happen successfully. And when we come under His covering, under His blessing, and listen to His truth, and read His word, and understand what He's about, man, and start to live it, life you know, there's a blessing in that. And, you know, we wonder why, oh, some people wonder why they're so, you know, it just seems to be a un- set of unfortunate events in my life all the time. I always face them, some struggles. I never seem to have, get on top of things. I want to tell you, um, why did you come back to God's truth? Because it can bring blessing. You know, the Word of God says His plans for us are good to bless us and not to curse us. I love that verse. And it's to do us good. And not to see us pulled down, says in Jeremiah. So, so we need to see that uh, uh, th- there's some things that God wants to put in place, God's truth and what he says about sex, so that we can set some standards and some boundaries in our relationships. And if you're really serious, I think, about honoring God, then you'll take uh, some principles tonight and just start to apply them because it can only do us good. Um, some people see the Bible as a rule book. Do you know what? The Bible has never been a rule book. It's never been a rule book. It's never been a set of do's and don'ts. And you may say, how is that so? Because it's certainly the way I read it sometimes seems to be it's a rule book. Well, when you think about it, Monopoly has rules. Um, Football has rules. Uh, The Bible doesn't have rules. The Bible has a set of um, what the Bible sometimes calls laws, or we, we could call them principles, and they're completely different to rules, okay? You see, rules are made up by somebody. Someone's got to make up the rules. Um, and, you know, the truth is, is that um, when you come to the Bible and start to think about the Bible, it's not full of do's and don'ts. It's full of principles. And the principles in the Bible actually make up the very fiber of our community and our society. And, and those things are the principles and the, and the laws that God established so that we may walk in blessing and wholeness and fruitfulness in our life. But if we walk outside those laws, there's always consequences. Now, rules, they're different. You know, tonight, um, um, the truth is you can drive home tonight and there's 
a man-made law, so to speak, but it's really just a rule. And it says, don't do more than whatever it may be, 50 kilometers down McCann Street. And you know, you might all of a sudden find yourself doing 55, and you notice that, oh, 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 and you pull back to 50 because you're a good law-abiding citizen. But the truth is, you just broke a rule. And guess what? You'll probably get away with it. There is no police at the end of McCann Street waiting for you to break the speed limit tonight. Unless, um, and if there is, please realize it wasn't me who set it up. But, you know, we can break the rules that men made rules and get away with them. Genuinely, you know, if we find ourselves speeding a bit, we, it, it's not like we've gone out of our way. It's just, oh, keep within the speed limit. But it's a rule. But, you know, you can't do that with God's laws. You can't break his laws and expect, well, it's just like man's rules. No, it's not. It's completely different. There's principles to live by that we need to be careful of because you break them and there's consequences. There's consequences for those principles that he set up. So here's the deal. Sex has laws, has principles. God isn't making rules. What he's doing when he describes the principles of life, he's describing the fabric of society. And when we break one of those principles, there's always consequences. Okay? Can I just maybe give you some scenarios tonight? Give you an example. Say a young um, man comes to me or a young woman comes to me and uh, they're looking at getting married and they're quite open and honest with me and they said, well, we had sex together before we got married. We just slipped up. And, but it doesn't matter because we're going to get married. And they say, mm, okay, you're going to get married. We go start to go through some stuff. But unfortunately, after five months, um, they break up before they ever get married. Now the young woman comes back to me after, you know, a couple weeks after the breakup and says, you know, I'm really sorry for what happened. And uh, it's weighing heavy on my heart. And so we pray a prayer together and she asks God to forgive her. She asks, uh, she asks for God's forgiveness. She, f- asks, um, she forgives the boy who she was involved with. Um, she forgives herself for, what she, for letting herself slip up like that. And, uh, and she has a couple of tears and she goes home. But in two weeks' time, she comes back again and she says, I'm still not just feeling right about this. There's something that's not right. And I think, oh, I know what it is. It's that it's that devil's got in and just put a, you know, the Bible says the devil can have a foothold. And so we pray a prayer and she gives a little scream and, and, and everything. She seems to be delivered and so she feels happy again. She goes home, but two weeks later she comes back. She says, I'm still not right. Is this something not right here? I've, you know, what, what, what's happening in my life? It, it just doesn't feel right. And, and as we start to uh, drill down on that, we start to realize that there's something more than just a prayer of forgiveness needed. There's something more than just maybe even deliverance because those things can happen and those things maybe are important. But the reality is she needs to ask God to cut off the ties and the, 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 thing, the sexual um, things that she's been involved in because, folks, the truth is sex just doesn't affect our... It just isn't a physical body thing. It actually gets into our soul and connects us with the person who we have sexual relationships with. And so th- this young lady needs more. She needs understanding of what's happened in her life. And then we need to pray accordingly and say, hey, you know, you need to l- release this whole situation. And God can bring healing. But it, it, there's something deeply happened in her life that she needs to address. And it's just going to be a little bit more than just forgiveness or dealing with something that might be demonic. It, it's a need within her heart 
to say, hey, I need, I need to acknowledge that there's some things I've uh, ties. And I want to kind of talk about that a little deeper in a moment. But let's not let the young man get away with it. Let's talk about the young man here. Um, if we, this young man, he's grappling because he's been involved sexually with a young lady and, and, um, and he's grappling about sex still more and more because he's not quite sure whether he should have continued to have sex with multiple partners or not and there's pressure at work for him to continue to be involved sexually and there's pressure from his mates and everybody's saying, well, everybody's doing it when everybody's not doing it. Um, and he starts to think about it this way. This is interesting. He says, well, my dad... Uh, we're a Christian family, and my dad goes to church, but you know he goes to work, and sometimes he gets very angry, and he has a hard day, and he comes home, and he kicks the cat, and uh, he screams at the budgie, and uh, he gets really angry with himself, and rants and raves, and carries on, and, and then um, he gets really upset with himself for doing that, and so he goes to church, and he says to God, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I've blown it again, and I ask for your forgiveness. And, and God forgives him, and that's the nature of God. He will forgive, and he is gracious and understanding about that. And we thank God for that. And, and he thinks, oh, well, that's good, and that's what my dad does. And then he says that there's my mum. My mum, she loves God, and she goes to church, and she prays. But sometimes mum gets a little tense and a little bit upset and a little bit stressed about life, and she hits the fridge. Man, she loves peanut butter sandwiches, and she'll do five or six at a time because she gets stressed, and she's just got to eat, so she's got this compulsive habit of eating. And, and you know, and yeah, but the, you know, then she gets upset with herself, and she goes to church, and she asks God for forgiveness, and you know what? God forgives her, and that's good, and that, because that's God's job, <laughs> and he needs to do that. And then there's me. I don't get angry, and I don't hit the fridge. I haven't got any compulsive eating orders to problems, and I haven't got an anger problem, but I've got hormones. And so I've made a decision that, you know, just every now and then I'm just going to have sex with somebody and then I can go to church and I can just ask God, forgive me, and he will forgive me and it'll be all, it'll be all good. Unfortunately, it won't be because sex is not like over an eating disorder or an anger problem. It's something completely different that touches our body. Can we take a moment... This evening to look at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It says this. Paul spoke once again to the church at Corinth, chapter 6. He says, The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. There we go. Something happens when in sexual relationship. The two become one flesh. You can't get away from that. You can't have sex and not let that, that, that happens automatically. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body. Here we go. All other sins, you know... Loving peanut butter sandwiches and eating too many, um, speeding, um, getting angry. All other sins are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Okay? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. 
Now here, there is a word in there in the Bible, uh, not in this page, but there's a word in the Bible called fornication. You've all heard of it. I always thought for many, many years, fornication is simply the kind of the other side of adultery. Fornication is when people who are not married have sexual relationships. But it's much more than that, I discovered, because it comes from a word, uh, a Greek word, fornication comes from a Greek word, pornia. P-O-R-N-I-A, which, of course, we get the English word pornography from. And in, in other words, it says any kind of sex outside of marriage, that's what fornication is. It is it's, the general, it's a general kind of word. And Paul is saying in this passage, you need to run from that type of thing, flee from that type of thing, because fornication is anything that's sexually immoral outside uh, marriage. So... Um, and fornification is not just about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a part of it. But it's about a pair of handcuffs that sometimes handcuff our hands. And we just can't sometimes just say sorry. And it's all when while God forgives us. But in our soul, in our emotions, and in our heart, there's something being imprinted on our soul that affects us. And we need a little bit more than just asking God forgiveness. We need to ask God to come in and heal the areas of where we've been imprinted on by someone else as we've involved ourselves sexually outside the context of a committed marriage. Are we all with me so far tonight? You okay? You're not giving me much encouragement right there. (laughs) So eating too much or losing your temper (laughs) is definitely something we need to be forgiven. You know, we need to ask God forgiveness for, but the reality is sexual immorality, uh, as it says in Scripture, is something that's against our own, what? Body. It affects our body. Um, um, other sin is different. Sexual sin impacts us in a very unique way. Why is it unique? Um, well, it's unique for this reason. Um, when two bodies come together... Uh, And it says in this scripture here in uh, 16 and 17, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her own body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So God draws a parallel. Do you know um, when you come... When you come to Christ, spiritual things, and God touches your heart and your spirit, whether you're worshiping Him or you get a word of revelation from as you read the Bible, or it just touches your heart, it, it, it affects you and it changes you spiritually. It changes you. And you know, when He pours His love into your heart, you can't help but that overflow into all parts of your being. It affects the way you speak. That love, that spiritual touch of God on your life affects the way you see things. It affects the way you feel. It, it flows off into everything that you do. And ultimately, when we're one in spirit with God, it, it ultimately will affect our right down through our emotions and our soul and our body. Now, when we're involved sexually, uh, what happens is, is that, of course, it affects us as well. Exactly the same. That's what God's saying in those 16 and 17. You can be united with the Lord, with one in Him in spirit, but in 16 it says uh, when you unite with a prostitute, uh, you become one flesh. You become something affects you as well. And so as God's spirit affects you and flows off into your body, from the spirit it flows down through your soul and ultimately affects your body. When we're involved sexually, it goes from the other direction. It goes from our body 
and it ultimately will affect our soul and emotions and ultimately our spirit, but it just goes the other way. Now, we need to uh, understand that when uh, we continually uh, allow our soul to be scarred time and marked time after time and time with different, different people and different partners, you can appreciate the hurt from that and the pain of breaking up with someone again and again and this person and that person can create quite a, 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 an issue within our own emotions and a struggle within our own life. Um, and that is what the scripture is talking about um, That's what God says when he says this about our bodies and why sex, our sexuality is different when sex outside of marriage is different uh, to, to just the normal sin in our lives. Um, so we need to consider it, uh, the reality of this. Spiritual intimacy begins in the body, but it doesn't finish there. It has the power to reach out into our soul and imprints on our spirit and the opposite, of course, as we have sexual relationships, it affects our body, but it has the power to imprint on our soul, our emotions, and run into our body and affect us the other way. And we have to be aware of that and conscious of that. And, you know, I, I'm just thankful for a God that uh, can heal and bring health and wholeness in our, these areas and help us to live free and to live as well. And that's why, you know, I'm just so glad that uh, uh, many people uh, have said, no, no sex before marriage, because in the context of marriage, it's a commitment. You know what marriage is? It's not just a piece of paper. It's a commitment in front of a group of witnesses who love you. And most of all, it's a commitment to God, it's a commitment to each other. It's a commitment to the witnesses that are witnessing your marriage. And of course, uh, what you're saying is, is I'm making a commitment to, to you uh, before I've ever had sex with you. And then, of course, out of that relationship comes the intimacy of our sexual relationship. But before that, oh, you know, uh, well, let's just have sexual relations. Uh, you know, we're going to get married one day anyway. But you know, the reality of that is... If it doesn't last, and you may say, well, if it does last, it's okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because it really goes outside the, you know, there was no, you need to start with commitment and then work into the other stuff. Sometimes too many people say, well, let's just be involved physically, and then we'll think about commitment later. And it doesn't work well. It doesn't work well. Um, Sometimes we can say, well, I'll just have sex, but I'll not open my heart up to any change from my sexual experience. Well, you can try and do that, but what happens is that sex then just becomes an act and a feeling and that lacks any emotional um, investment. And uh, unfortunately, that sometimes that type of person becomes more and more like an animal and less and less capable of investing in their sexu in sexuality. And it just... Um, becomes something they've got to do instead of something that they care and want to love a person for. You know, I've always said to people, sex starts in the kitchen when you're married. You say, what do you mean by that? Um, well, the reality is it starts with the support of each other, the love of each other, the, the caring for each other. And sometimes it might be as simple as doing the washing up as a male, supporting. Now, do you do that so you can have sex later? Mm, no, not really. It doesn't work that way. But the reality is... It, it kind of, I want you to highlight the reality. 
that our sexual relations in marriage comes out of a caring and a loving and a giving, not a taking. Because who knows, if it's just lust, it'll only wait five minutes. Love can wait five years, someone once told me. And I've always remembered that reality, especially if you're single and you're waiting um, for the future partner in your life. So um, we need to be aware of the reality of the power of our sexuality. It's not like just any... The um, Bible doesn't have um, uh, rules. It has laws and principles. Sex is not, it's not something that can just be taken glibly and, and thrown around and whenever. Sex is uh, described in the best context of marriage and a commit, committed relationship. Uh, sex out of sight of that will, is called um, fornication, um, sexual immorality, and it does create um, issues in our heart because it imprints on our lives. And any involvement we have in that. Can I just have the musos back up again? That would be much appreciated if you guys could come. So now when that young lady came, comes back to me and starts to talk about, well, I'm just not, I know we've prayed a prayer of forgiveness. I know God forgives me. I forgive myself. I've forgiven the boy. And I know we've prayed and, and, and you know, I've gotten given no foothold to the devil now. But the reality is I just, still something within me. Now I understand that there's this need to deal and help her to understand that you've violated uh, your own body. If someone outside of the, the realm of, of commitment has violated your body and you've violated somebody else and you've become one flesh, whether you like it or not. And you know, um, while that can't be reversed, it can be healed. God can bring wholeness. God can uh, bring the healing of, I suppose, memories and thoughts he can restore lives. That's the miracle power of God. No one else can do that. He can bring us to the point where we can feel whole again. And we can go into any future relationships in the right way. And even into marriage knowing that it's okay. And we have an understanding that I'm going to work on the reality and the fact that I'm going to build a relationship of communication. I'm going to build a relationship of intimate communication. I'm going to build it on friendship and giving and not getting Instead of just the physical, instead of just the, I've got to have sex because that's what my body wants, you're willing to put that aside and say, I'm going to put God, you first, and I'm going to put, I'm going to put it in the right order, in the right order. So I want to encourage this tonight with those thoughts. Um, I encourage you tonight, if you're uh, here as a young person, um, I think this should, be, this should be full of young people, not just young people, but every person, parents, grandparents, because I think the information is something that you can use as parents to dive off into and talk to our young people about in the most appropriate way. Um, as young people here, I want, if someone, I, I'm just, I think there's so many people that have come back to me and said, why did I not hear this type of stuff before I ever got married, what, before those days when, when there was pressure on me. Why didn't I hear this stuff? And I'm just glad that you can hear it tonight uh, and, and as you've sat through these, um, this series in the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, if you're single here and, uh, you know, and you're happy to be single, bless you, go for it. You don't have to get married. There's no pressure. Um, but if you're single and want to be married or we want to be, have a relationship and you want to have intimacy, um, I want to encourage you. God has an incredible plan for your life. God has the best plan. But you know what? You've got to see it. You've got to, you, you might have to change some things. You might have to say, God, 
help me through this because I've continually done it this way. Now I've got to see how I need to put your plan and your ways into place. Because, you know, a relationship is more than just the physical. It's a relationship of communication, heartfelt love for one another, which comes out of love and communication and understanding and not just the act of sex. That's just a cream on the cake. You've got to have the cake. Too many people just eat the cream and don't know what the cake's like. And we need that. Can we stand tonight as we close? Uh, can I just pray tonight? Because we're all in different situations. Some of us are parents. Some of us in relationship with someone not yet married. Some of us are single. Some of us are single again. I understand that. That can be a difficult place as well. You don't want to be single again, but you are, either through the loss of a loved one, through death, or maybe a divorce or separation or whatever it is. But I want to tell you, God has a plan and purpose, and it's better than anything the world will ever give you. So, Father, tonight, I just thank you for every person. I thank you for your word that just gives us guidance and wisdom. I thank you for the plan that you have for us, which was always good. And, Father, I pray tonight for... Um, maybe we're here and we've not, oh, I've blown it in this area and I've blown it in that area. I pray tonight, no condemnation, but I pray for a conviction and, and, a, and a strength within the heart of people to have a conviction to walk in that which is going to bring blessing and not cursing to their lives. To say yes to you and everything about your plan for their lives and especially their sexuality. And I ask your hand a blessing upon them who are single again. For the single people, I ask that you'd help them, Lord, to walk in your um, health and wholeness of their sexuality. Waiting, Father, for that appropriate time and that appropriate um, uh, moment to have a relationship and a future. Father, I pray for grandparents and parents. Give us wisdom to be able to communicate and not leave this subject taboo and say, well, I don't know if I could really talk about it, but to embrace it with maturity and the appropriate times with those of our children when we need to embrace it. So, Father, we commit ourselves to you and we give you all the honor and all the glory. And everyone agreed tonight said, amen. I just got, I got to hear more than that. Is it an amen? It's an amen. So it means, so let it be.